you know what? God gave me a word for you, and I'm excited that I get to share this word with you. You know, um, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you today, and as he's speaking to you, I want you to write down what he says because he's speaking to you. You put it on those notes, and I'm telling you, we're going to have a December to remember as we move into the decade of difference. Who wants to do that? Yes? Man, we got, wow, we're going to have a lively crew. So I'm telling you, I'm excited. Um, we, uh, the title of my message is Blessings of the New Covenant More Than Gesundheit. Yeah, I hear some chuckles. Yeah, we got some blessings in the New Covenant and there are way more than after a freaking sneeze. So um, we're going to be reading our golden text, and it's going to be found in Hebrews, if you want to get there before me. But uh, it is my favorite book of the Bible. It is full of faith. It is power-packed. And yet, let me tell you a little bit of the climate in Hebrews. No one knows who wrote the book. Wow. The name of the author isn't named. And the audience isn't explicitly named either. Okay, it's getting more interesting. But we do know that the book was written to exhort those who had recently converted from Judaism to Christianity. And it's saying, hey, let me tell you, you've made the right decision. It's okay. This is a good move. And that's why the book of Hebrews was written. And it was written to mainly Jews who converted as well as some Gentiles that had been converted. And yet, to be a good Jew, you must know that there was a, Levit a Levitical priesthood. That's hard to say really fast. Um, I wonder how Nydia for Guatemala interpreted that one. Uh, and then there was sacrifices. You got to make sacrifices, sacrifices, sacrifices. Sin sacrifices, right? Blood sacrifices, sacrifices, because we know people continually, I'm a person, you're a person, we continually mess up. Yes? Who's in here with me? You messed up. Exactly. And so then there was also the covenant where there was blessings and cursings. So that's what they were going through. They're saying, okay, we've left that Judaism, which was very traditional, and now what is going on? Did we make the right decision? Because this don't feel like it used to. So let's stand and turn to Hebrews 12. We're going to read the golden text here. I hear some turning of pages. That's excellent. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and verse 22. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 
Now let's go to verse 22. And it says, And, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. And that is God's word, and let's pray. Father God, may the words of my mouth be used that every time I read this scripture, it is truth and it is life, and it will go to where you sent it, and it will produce fruit today. In anyone that is watching who is looking to receive the word, they've came to the right place because your word is going to be spoken. It's going to be put in the ears of those who are listening, and those who will do something with it will receive from you today. And all God's people said, amen, you may be seated. So I'm not purposely leaving out those of you who someone brought you here because it's the last service of the year. Those who you are, you've invited uh, someone, you're watching it online. You don't even know why you're watching. You tuned in. Don't change that channel because there's a reason for why you're hearing this. You know, there was a study conducted um, by a Larry D. Rosen. It was a 30-year study, and he wrote in the editorial of the Pi Kappa, Pi Delta Kappa. It's, a, um, it's a, um, an editorial for educators, and it was about enhancing our focused mind. And this 30-year study showed that when, what are the psychological effects of digital technology psychologically to human beings? And check this out. We found out that over 30 years ago that there was a reluctance to receive the digital technologies called a computer. Some of you all know that jobs changed because of that new technology. Some of you might have been affected by that. We're not going to talk about the age. It's all good. We'll quickly pass that by. However, but that wariness to accept that digital technology has done something else. The pendulum has switched, and now there is an obsession with our digital devices in our pockets and in our purses. Yes, let me tell you what this study said. So this study, they're a team of people they were looking at middle age, middle, not middle age, I apologize, middle school students, teenage students, and college students. I have a college student, and I am about to have another one. Don't tell me about that. But an average college student unlocks their phone 50 times a day. I'm going to say that again. I heard a little chuckling. The average college student unlocks their phone 50 times a day. The average teenager in high school tries to multitask, although they know that they won't be successful in multitasking. Check this out. Middle school students who had their digital device taken away become visibly shaken within two minutes of having their device taken away. Wow. And lastly, let's go back to the young adolescents and the college-age student. For every 24-hour period, 
They are on their phones for four and a half hours, whether they're awake or sleeping. Four and a half hours a day. And then the last of the studies showed that out of every 15 minutes, they were distracted for five minutes of those 15 minutes. That's a lot of stats, isn't it? Is that a lot of stats? Well, guess what? While I was preparing for this message, my wife was texting me. And when she texted me, I got distracted. And I would have to regroup, and I would say, I wonder if that was five minutes. And it was about five to eight minutes. But then guess what? I also was texting her because I had the younger children, and they were finding and saying, what can you make us? We need food. We haven't eaten anything in one hour. And so then I was texting her saying, when are you coming home? What is going on? Why do these kids want to eat everything in the house, right? So those are how we deal with digital technologies. But that's just the psychology of digital technologies. Now check this out. There's also things that we all go through as it's the end of the year. Some of you don't raise your hands. This was a year that never ended. Wow. My God, I can't wait till this year's up. There's some of you that said, where did the year go? I thought I was just celebrating Valentine's Day in 2019. And I looked up and people were saying, Happy New Year at TJ Maxx. I'm like, what? Right? So some of you have broken relationships. You've lost loved ones. You are wondering if you're losing your edge on your entrepreneurial uh, business. You're thinking, you know what? I'm wondering if I still am in the graces of my family. And then when you try to do the things you want to do, you don't do those. But the things that you don't want to do, like freak out and throw candles at your family when you're frustrated, like, oh, I don't even know why I did that. You do those things. And it's because we're humans. But I'm here to tell you today. I said, I'm here to tell you today that we are about to embark on a new decade, and I want to tell you all that I want to exhort, exhort you and encourage you that you have three expected blessings. There's many more, but you can expect three. The first one, fill this out in your notes. I can have righteousness even if I don't feel it or know it exists. 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the NLT says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So those of you who have just believed and converted to Christianity and those who have been a Christian for many years, I'm just reverberating, reassuring, and repeating to let you know you have a right standing with God. Don't look at me so seriously. I'm going to say something, and you better get it. You, Nick, Michael, whomever, 
You have a right relationship with God. You. Isn't that crazy? You today, no matter what happened, you woke up. And if you accepted Christ, you're in right standing. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? There's this thing in the Bible that talks about there was the creation and then there was the fall. And then there's the redemption. And then there will be the culmination. And yet, as we look back over time, we all remember that paradise was lost. Paradise was lost. And in the garden, mankind fell. But yet, through Christ, we have regained that place. We now can become a part of his family. And when we become a part of his family, we now have right standing with God. Point number two, I can have union with God even though I battle fear, depression, and loneliness. Again, you don't have to raise your hand. I don't care if you've been saved for years or if you've just been saved or you don't even know what being saved is or even a believer. I am telling you, all of you will experience it at one time, fear and loneliness and depression. But let's see what he has to say about this in Galatians 2.20. And I'm looking at it in the message. It says, Christ's life showed me how. This is on your notes. And enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living now is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we go back to the text of Hebrews 12:1, and I read it, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. There's weight? Wow. Did other people have weight? Sin, which clings so closely. Who has understood and know how well sin clings like dandruff or like static electricity, right? And you wake up and you're like, wow, what is clinging to me? And then we're supposed to let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we've all been given a race, and guess what? There is an author. We know who the author is of our race, and it's Jesus Christ. And we also know that he will finish the race that he set before you. So guess what? When you woke up today, you not only have right standing with God, you have union, and guess what? It's okay. You don't have to impress anybody. Wow. You don't have to impress anybody. So what? You came out, you stumbled, you blah, 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 you did this, guess what? You're accepted. You're a part of the family. Everything that Christ took upon himself, he did it for you. And as we go into this year, you can say, I don't have to impress anybody. You know what? I'm accepted. I'm received. I have union with God. 
you know what? I'm doing this because I'm so grateful for what he did for me. My motivation is joy. My God, I'm thankful that I don't have to go to places that I don't have to do, not because of self-righteousness, but because he already paid the price. Somebody should be happy that you are in a new place. You don't have the life that you used to have because when we look to Christ, you say, wow, man, did you know the old Nathan? Did you know the old Sarah? Did you know I'm not that person anymore? And then guess what else? Not only did we have the Levitical priest, Christ became our priest. Now check this out. It gets even crazier. You know those sacrifices because we screw up every day, day in and day out, sacrifices. We got to make sacrifice. It's the year in sacrifice. We got to make sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. And Christ said, no more. I'm the sacrifice. I'm taking your sacrifice. And now you and I are going to be one. But then he didn't do more. By the way, he's extravagant. We have an extravagant God. Guess what he did to the temple of God? Is there a temple in Jerusalem right now? So the answer is no. There's no, there's no temple in Jerusalem. I find that very interesting because Christ, when he died and he rose again, your body became the temple. It says Christ lives in me. Christ is the hope of glory. Hey, guess what? Those about uh, everything that you've been going through and experiencing this will, Christ lives in you. You are his synagogue. You are his sanctuary. If that doesn't get you happy, I'll come down there right now and start giving you crazy hugs, right? <laughs> Don't look at me so serious. You have union with God. You're in the synagogue. You are the synagogue. This should make you excited. You guys, you're not who you used to be. You're a new creature. Now, check this out. This got me messed up. I'm telling you, I was like, this message was more for me than it was for you. And all I get to do is share it. So the last book of the Bible is Revelation. And when I go to Revelation 22.9, I'm telling this is crazy. This says, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So there's a tree of life in the new Jerusalem and in the new heaven and new earth. Have you guys heard of the tree of life? There's also a tree of life in Genesis 2.9. You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for you. Genesis 2.9 says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Those of you who have gone to Sunday school or had little books that you've read to your children know that 
the land, the sea, and the vegetation was created on day three of creation. The tree of life that was just mentioned is in Genesis 2.9. And yet, one chapter later, mankind falls. But let's go to Acts 5.30, and I'm going to read you something else about the tree of life. Acts 5.30 says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now check this out. The tree in Greek for the tree of life in Revelation 2 and the same tree that Christ hung on in Acts 5.30 is the word called xylos, X-Y-L-O-S. And if we look back and look forward, xylos is a healing for the nations. And in Genesis, xylos was created for Adam and Eve before they were ever born. But yet in Acts, xylos was the same tree that Jesus hung on. And xylos is always producing fruit. And the fruit of that xylos is you. It's me. Those of you who have accepted Christ as your Savior, xylos was in the beginning, was in the middle, and was in the end. It was during creation. It was there after the fall. It was there in the redemption plan. And it will be there after the culmination. Xylos, you are a product of that tree. What do you think about that? Do our schools, do our communities, do our bodies, do they need healing? Do we need healing in other areas of our lives? Yes or no? But yet we have it because we know that the tree always produces fruit. It's always been there, and we're always going to see it. So point number three is I can receive the grace that belongs to me even though I don't deserve it or think I have to work for it. Again, in your notes, Romans 3.24, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. No more shame, no more guilt. We're made right and we're clothed in righteousness. You guys, this is some heavy weight, but it's the heavy weight that doesn't weigh you down. This is the type of weight that helps you in your race. What if you knew, as we said, well, who else ran this race? Well, it talks about who ran that race in Hebrews 11, and he talks about people who weren't Jews and people who became Jews. He talks about Abraham and Abel and Noah and how they ran their race was by looking and listening to what they had been told. And yet, what would it look like if you and I woke up to the fact 
that today, no matter what situation you're facing at the end of the year and in the new year, that you had a right standing with God, that you had union with God, and that the grace is yours because he already did it. Now check this out. What would it look like? How bold would you be if you said, these problems, I have a right standing with God. I don't care what the enemy says to me. I don't care what my family says to me. I know that no matter whatever situation I'm facing, I'm going to get through this because I know the author of my race. I know that I have to run it with patience. Who wants to run a race with patience? Not me. Man, God, you want me to go through this? You want me to face these people? You want me to endure this? You want me working these hours? You want me to have them as a customer? They're saying the same thing about you, right? You want me to do, you want to, you want to call me to another part of the country? You want to call me to another country? You want me to be dealing with the frozen chosen in New England? Who every time I talk, they look at me and set a smile. They go, when is this almost over? I'm joking. I'm just joking. So you guys know what I'm talking about. But you know what? We would be able, if we woke up to the fact that Jesus was right there with us, we could say we can face any opposition. We can face any foe, and you can. You know what? Let me, could you guys go with me for a quick second? What if you knew that Jesus was in the next room of your house and he was praying for you? That's good. What would that sound like? What would that look like? Why don't we find out? You know what? Can you guys journey with me? So I'm getting ready. Father God, you know what Michael's been going through. You know what Emma's been going through, the trials she's been facing today. But I know that you're a good father. And you're working out everything good for my child. You're working everything out for them. And I know they're going to come through that. And do you know what? Where did I get that from? Do you guys want to know where I got that from? He's doing it right now. He did it this morning before you ever showed up. You don't have to go there. I'll go there right now. It's in Hebrews 7.25. When I read this, I said, all right, what is going on? Hebrews 7.25. Wow. This says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's praying for you. He prayed for you today. <laughs> what does that look like? I'm asking you. I'm imploring you. New believer, take the righteous. Take it. It's already been paid for. It's already yours. He already did it. You have a union. Take it. If you are facing an illness, if you're facing financial crisis, you can know that he's there for you, praying for you, 
pulling you forward. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what would other than the New England Patriots never losing another football game in your life, right? So I love this that we can enter this grace and we don't have to work for it anymore. Isn't that crazy? The old way was work, 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 do, 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 sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And guess what? The certain priest, if the priest was your priest, you, man, I had a good priest. Oh, he's passed away. You know, I really miss that priest. Man, now I've got a new one, right? But guess what? Christ doesn't die. He's already did that, been there, done that, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he's your high priest. He will never die. So no matter if you were born or you weren't born, he's your priest. And he's going to bat for you. So what's the challenge? You guys, if it's a race, you got to have a challenge, right? So refer to your notes. Today, today's challenge, before this message, we might have asked, is God your righteousness? Well, you say, I'm trying to make him my righteousness. Or you might be in small group and say, hey, can you make God your righteousness? Um, but the answer is, if you believe in Christ, he already is your righteousness. This is, this is a total different mind shift. It's a total different paradigm shift that we've got to think about. So the answer is if you believe in Jesus Christ, he is your righteousness. So just like the great philosopher G.I. Joe said in the 80s, now I know and knowing is half the battle. Yeah, yeah that's right. So... Now that you know, I dare you to go out and act like it. I dare you to go into your schools, into your cities, into your jobs, and act like you have a relationship with the God of the universe. Go out and act like you're not condemned. You're not judged. He did the judging. He judged Christ on your behalf. Jesus is enough for anyone at any time and anywhere when they accept his call. I'm going to read that again. Jesus is enough for anyone at any time and anywhere when they accept his call. In sum, we ready to round this thing up? You guys ready? We ran a race today. You ready to round this thing up? So in sum, through Christ's sacrifice, I'm telling you, it's got me. This should mess you up in a good way. God has invited all people to come back to the Garden of Eden and have a relationship with him as if sin never happened. <laughs> that is heavy, you guys. That is amazing. Would you let the xylos show fruit in your life today? Would you let the xylos share fruit in those around you? Would you let him let loose in you? Don't, don't, don't try to not lose. Go for the win, right? Don't go for the field goal. Go for the extra point. Go for it because you have a better chance of going all out 
then your probability of you made the field go, you tied, and then you lose in overtime. Go for the win. I'm telling you guys, I'm in this race with you. Go for the win. Go for the win. We got one shot at this. Go for the win. You're not judged anymore. I'm going to read one last scripture. Revelation 19, 9 through 10. I'm going all the way back to the end of the book. Then the angel said to me, this is John who's writing this, write this down. You guys wrote these things down today. Blessed, blessed, happy to be envied are those who are summoned, invited, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me further, these are the true words, the genuine and exact declarations of God. Then I fell prostrate at his feet to worship, to pay divine honors to him, the angel. But he restrained me and said, refrain. You must not do that. I am only another servant with you and your brethren who have accepted and hold the testimony borne by Jesus. Worship God. For all the substance, essence of the truth revealed by Jesus is the spirit of all prophecy, the vital breath, the inspiration of all inspired preaching and interpretation of the divine will and purpose, including both mine and yours. 